I feel like last time I was like hearing myself breathe and it was like kind of like what distracting. Yeah, not even hear myself breathe when I when I heard it again. I was like, uh, why, why is this kid breathing? So uh, oh, you mean like in the recording? Yeah, that was an editing issue. <laughs> It won't happen again. It won't. So if, I, if I hold it close, you won't hear me breathe. No, that was my bad. On that episode specifically, it was really distracting to me. It was the way I edited it. You can edit breaths. I mean, so what I do is I compress it and so it's all the same level. And then I heighten it so we're all at the same level of speaking. But oh. I compress it too much so the talking was just as compressed as the breathing. Yeah. And so it just raised everything super high. <laughs> so he's like... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mention it to anyone because I don't want anybody to notice. But if you listen to the episode, our breathing's like... <laughs> it's like, damn, get these guys some lozenges. <laughs> this is Film Club. Welcome to the show. Everybody, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back after two weeks once again. Uh, today, I'm with Patrick. Hey. And two guests. We have returning guests, Juan and Roxy. Say hi, guys. Woo, hi. Hi, I, guys. I don't think you need to introduce yourself anymore because we already got the gist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know who I am. Yeah. yeah you, you're pretty much regular contributors at this point. Friends of the pod. Yeah, so today we got together to talk about Juan's favorite movie, <laughs> 1998 Disney's Mulan. Um, I wanted to start it with a little background. I want to start this podcast with a little background about Disney because I have this fascination with the Disney Renaissance. I don't know if you are all familiar with the Disney Renaissance, but Disney was kind of like lacking quality as far as the movies went when after Walt Disney and Roy Disney died. And their movies were just like falling flat. They weren't doing well. They weren't happy with the storylines. So they were just kind of like eating shit with <laughs> as far as quality. And they weren't happy with the stories they were telling. So they had this renaissance where they hired um, Menken, Alan Menken, and the, the lyric writer. Is it Hal Ashby? Hal Ashby. No, it's not Hal Ashby. The lyricist Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman. That was close. That was close. <laughs> What would be an example of a movie from the era? So there, the whole what, Disney Renaissance is from 89 to 99. And the movies are The Little Mermaid. Of course. 89. Rescuers Down Under, 90. Beauty and the Beast, 91. Aladdin, 92. Lion King, 94. Pocahontas, 95. <laughs> so our childhood, basically. Hunchbacks of Notre Dame, 96. Hercules, 97. Mulan, 98. And Tarzan, 99. And that's like, mm-hmm. that closes it out. Well, you see the decline in quality. Of the, I mean, like Tarzan's a good movie, but it's not as good as like everything else in that fucking list. I think Beauty and the Beast won best picture in the Academy Awards, right? Oh, shit. So... Wow. Was certainly nominated that year. Yeah, so Mulan is the ninth movie in this Disney renaissance, and it was like when Disney made a conscious effort to, like, put everything they had into these movies and just, like, really come roaring back, and it was, like, this really long, illustrious period of, like, great movies that, like you said, defined our childhood. But before that, there was, like, an 18-year period between, like... Fox and the Hound. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like stuff that wasn't doing well. Bambi. So after Black Cauldron, <laughs> Pinocchio. Like, after right. Black Cauldron got smashed, and that's supposed to be like the darkest Disney movie, yeah. Like that, but this movie got smashed, and uh, they just like we like we need to reinvent ourselves. So there was like this whole Disney reinvention, which we've seen like a couple times in our lifetime, but but they're really like going back to their roots, like, like revitalizing the the company, right? Because yeah, you had like. Snow White and Cinderella and Pinocchio and all yeah. from the golden age, I guess, of old Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what happened in this time is one of their head animators, he left, ended up starting his own company, the Don Bluth Company. You might have heard of them. Uh, they did an American tale on Land Before Time. And this was in a period when Disney released The Great Mouse Detective and Oliver Twist, what I think 
I wanted to mention Great Mass Detective because it's a fucking fantastic movie, and it falls kind of in this middle period where they start like they started gaining the steam to put all their movie or all their like resources into these movies that they would eventually make. So we're talking about Mulan, and Juan. I mean, any of you can speak on this. I just want to talk about like first experiences with Mulan. This was in 1998. Staples in our childhood. We can like <laughs> go around and talk. Uh, Juan, I'll, I'll give you the honor since you brought this movie to us. Like. Tell us about your first experiences uh, and tell us how this movie has affected you in the interim. Yeah, can we do a little bit of a, more of a context around 1998? Uh, yeah, for sure we can. Do you have context? Yeah, I know that this is usually your section, but you also provided us with some context about uh, Disney, right? Uh -huh. And its revival, its renaissance, right? Yeah. Um, so you're right that this is at the tail end of like the 90s Disney movies, right? Yeah. This comes after Hercules and comes right before Tarzan, which would be the last of the 90s 2D yeah. animated films, right? Um, Toy Story had already come out, and Bugs Life would be on its way, right? Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like, again, like the tail end of like the 2D films. Yeah. Um, other kid-oriented movies that came out this year include Small Soldiers, uh, Mask of Zorro, Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not like... Kids movies like we think of them, certainly not cartoons. It didn't yeah. seem that there was many cartoons that came out this year, if like any aside from like Mulan. I think this is one of those periods where like Disney was still putting out like one animated film a year, right? And it was kind of like a big event. Mm -hmm. um, this was also one full year after Men in Black, which was the <laughs> last episode I was here for. And uh, speaking of like context, 1998, I'm 10 years old. I'm like going on 11. It's my last year of elementary school. Uh, last year of childhood, really. <laughs> you, you were fully a man after <laughs> well, After the song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they made a man out of him. You know, uh, at least a pre-puberty pre childhood, right? Uh, Let's I'm, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> things are sprouting. <laughs> Feelings were felt. Uh, Mulan I made feel, a man out of him. I feel feelings when I watch this movie and I still do um, again I'm 10 years old I'm definitely in my Star Wars phase um, I'm watching every Saturday morning cartoon I can mm -hmm. right so very much into animated stuff yeah I'm playing with action figures still not yet the era of Pokemon and the wave of anime that comes with it mm -hmm. right um, and it's a summer movie this one came out in June of uh, 98 mm -hmm. and of course all the best movies come out in the summer and my first experience watching this movie actually was watching the trailer, right? Typically, people's first experience with the movie is like the trailer, the previews, whatever, right? But I remember being in theaters. I remember so distinctly that scene, big screen, like the Huns coming over the ridge of the mountain, mm -hmm. right? And it is so epic, right? This is a full, what, decade, two decades before Lord of the Rings, right? Would bring like <laughs> that kind of like epic scale to like the big screen, right? Um, and this was not the kind of like Disney movie that. I was used to because it was definitely put in the forefront of the screen like swords and explosions and like fighting warfare right all mm. the things that a 10 year old boy would be very much into right yeah. so that's sort of like <laughs> my experience was like that epic scale of like action adventure in mm. a Disney cartoon that I was so psyched for continue to be psyched for uh, who else wants to talk about their first experience <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're done <laughs> Well, that's, well, that's an interesting point. I didn't didn't really make that realization about large scale warfare representation in a Disney movie before. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, totally. I can't think of another example. My what? first experience 
was uh, probably three years ago at your. Because <laughs> one wouldn't stop talking about Mulan. I was like, okay, let's let's watch it. And, uh, we yeah. were. I fell asleep like five minutes in. No. <laughs> well, I have tons of great memories, and I say tons and tons because this is my sister Alex's like ultimate. Like this is her version of Little Mermaid, which. I used to watch like on the daily mm -hmm. and this is what my sister would watch on the daily. So I've seen it a million. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I've seen it many, many times. And now that I'm thinking about what you've said about it, like she's also a huge star Wars fan. I don't know. Maybe she does like all those Epic type things, but um, yeah, I've seen it many times. We had a dog that we named little brother <laughs> and, and, I, and, you know, I never knew I was reading, doing research. I was like, why is the dog called little brother? So that's actually a nod to the ballad because she has a younger little brother, mm. which is why she goes off into mm. taking the position for her dad. Cause she doesn't have an older brother. Mm -hmm. right. Um, but yeah, yeah which, uh, Mulan is the movie Mulan is based on an old Chinese folk story yes. from yes. like 1600 years ago. Yeah. About, uh, uh, a war between like a north, the, like one of the northern regions of, of China is like, like, yeah, one of the Mongolian like states uh, mm -hmm. against like the northern one of the northern states of China. Yeah, um, the villain in Mulan is based on Attila the Hun, mm -hmm. who um, lived around 450. Eight, like Attila the Hun's an interesting character in history. Like he kind of coincided with the fall of Rome, and like some historians think that like he contributed a little bit because like he would make incursions into like Eastern Europe, Germany regions, stuff like that. And like, like if you know, like the collapse of the Roman empire is like, like the Visigoths and all them like invading, uh, Rome. Mm -hmm. But so like the, the actual collapse of Rome was like 20 years after the death of Attila the Hun. Mm -hmm. So they kind of think that what he was doing, like potentially contributed to like, was a factor, you know, in, in all of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, Oh, that was a wild tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the ballad, yeah. uh, it's actually interesting that her gender wasn't like a huge thing in the ballad because, mm, yeah. because I, like I said, with the not having an older brother, she kind of just, they, as a family, they decided that she was going to go instead of her father. Uh -huh. And so everybody knew. So she wasn't like, she didn't like sneak off and cut her hair. It wasn't like this thing where she snuck out so she went her family knew she was going and she served like 12 years and then just came back and took her position back and you know in the household and you know doing womanly things i guess yeah in the family and um yeah the soldiers didn't know until after the fact yeah so which i think is a total badass thing like she was just oh, yeah. and this warrior woman warrior and nobody knew <laughs> yeah yeah no and like i had read that this is a story that they've been telling to kids little girls in china for generations and generations but like you know it's cool to be a badass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, this is certainly uh, a story that if you uh, grew up in China, you definitely uh, have heard, right? Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a story that even uh, folks who are, like, Chinese-American grew up in, right? Um, Caesar, how did you uh, get to know the story of Mulan yourself? Um, I didn't watch this. I don't remember seeing a trailer. I don't remember being remotely interested in it. I think maybe because as a 10, 11-year-old boy, I was mostly interested in boyish things. And 
<laughs> I like how we keep saying boyish. Like we yeah. keep gendering everything. Well, at this, I think at this point in time, I um, think yeah, <laughs> like this like, movie, it's we get it. Your boys. Front and center. <laughs> yeah. Before you were coming on the show, I was like, we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Like, uh, none of us are women or Chinese, so this is going to be coming from a very dark corner. Yeah. Yeah. When like Roxy joined uh, the cast today, I was pretty relieved. Uh, <laughs> well, that's nice to hear yeah. after the, the thumbs up. <laughs> like, no, it's true that like we're all none of us have like uh, Asian heritage, right? Yeah. So like that's certainly a limitation to like our point of view. Yeah, definitely. Right? But I, I do argue that like um, even though this is very much based on the story mm-hmm. of like the myth of Famulan, um, this certainly is not that story right this is like the american yeah. appropriation of that story right yeah with its own sort of like american sig- uh, cultural signifiers and mm-hmm. like its own like american western like messaging right mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of like cool i think you know like <laughs> it's not it's not it certainly isn't a chinese story right yeah i, I think like there's certain details that are ahistorical uh acultural um, it's kind of like an amalgamation of like uh, the West's perception of the East, mm-hmm. um, but is a story that has resonated to like Westerners, right? Yeah, and, and certainly, certainly uh, Asian Americans, and certainly people who are not Asian Americans, like myself, who's like Chicano. Mm-hmm. Disney has always like in the years done this thing where they co-op stories to like. <laughs> Everything. Uh, yeah, to kind of mold it into their own message, and you know, and like, in in some aspects, it's like a very positive thing, uh, you know, as far as like inclusivity and stuff like that. Roxy and I have this conversation all the time. The but first thing I thought it was Coco, right? Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like they like co-op these stories, and like, yes, it's nice to be like inclusive and to see yourself represented on screen. Like when I see my niece watching Encanto, like it's like a really powerful thing that she sees somebody with like curly hair and dark skin on the screen, and she's like very into it, and like that's like a hero to her. And like, you know, of course, in her baby little baby brain, she's not. In that <laughs> but I mean, it's powerful to see that. Like when I see that happening on the screen, it's like powerful to see that. But also, Disney does shitty things, like try to trademark Dia de los Muertos. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's the constant struggle within uh, Disney yeah. and other like studios that do uh, movies and TV shows. It's like the struggle between the capitalists in the suits or yeah. like are it's a big to, corporate structure that or looking can, at the margins yeah. who are like trying to figure out how to make a profit how to build a trademark right how to get people into their theme parks and you've got like the actual like crafts people who actually like give a shit about the stories and give yeah. a shit about the character work and give a shit about the artistry right mm-hmm. and they've got this like unholy alliance going on that you kind of need to like either reconcile or you don't you know mm-hmm. right if you're going to be a pur- purist you're not going to enjoy disney right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking a lot, like, about it, how Caesar was saying how they're just being more inclusive or even just having different types of stories, because we just recently watched Turning Red as well. And we were talking about this, and I said, well, also, Disney just wants to sell. So if this is what is going to sell, then, yeah, they're going to be doing these things. I don't know if it's a sense of, like, their moral, like, uh, like this is what we want to do because we want to, you know, be inclusive because they still put a lot of money into things that, you know, are not. But um, I feel like turning red when I watch it, is, it feels like a personal story. 
like somebody at mm. some level, not a whole lot of people at many levels, yeah. like resonated with that story. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like we do need to differentiate as best as we can between like the producers who like call the shots and put down the write the checks and put down mm -hmm. the capital and the collateral, right? Versus the people who are like the actual artisans, right? Who mm -hmm. like are putting their blood and soul and sweat into the page, into the panels. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Um, and, and there is an interesting like sort of second renaissance going on with Disney at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Where we are seeing uh, sort of like diverse representation up front and center. You guys already mentioned Coco, Encanto, uh, Turning Red, I think of Moana as well. Yeah. I feel like Mulan was somewhat ahead of the curve uh, mm -hmm. of that uh, sort of like uh, wave that we're seeing now, right? Mm -hmm. um, where like, you know, most of the Disney princess and princesses uh, were, uh, you know, Anglo-European, with some notable exceptions, exceptions, Milan being one of them, Pocahontas, uh, Aladdin, right? Mm -hmm. So we touched on the, like, very intentional Asian-American inclusion, like, intention there with, with Disney. Like, this is 1998, like, and it seems, like, in retrospect that this is, there's... Some like gender non-conforming like inclusion with this with this movie too. Did you, did you guys like pick up on that? Yeah. Well, it's like really upfront and center. They actually touch on it a lot in the movie. I've noticed like it's something that they return to, in the theme and a, the ancestors mentioned like cross dressing and yes. stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a thing that they return to in the movie like over and over again. And I was kind of struck by that because I think uh, in retrospect, there's a lot of movies being read. As like uh, like you know trans allegories or right like, like if you want to talk about the Matrix yeah you know, exactly like the How Matrix has a trans allegory at the time when it came out yeah. nobody was thinking that but now in retrospect obviously yeah, uh, it is. yeah and like the Wachowski said that was always intentioned yeah and like yeah okay like it's like very clear to see now and like I think in retrospect we can see that and I had some thoughts about that because like I think the the need to transition or change is just like such like a human thing you know we're always yeah. like trying to go from one thing to the other it's like the the human aspiration to change you know what i mean it's like um, yeah and think about like the the hero's relationship to rules yeah um at the end of mulan the emperor lists all of the rules that mulan has broken mm -hmm. um but you have saved us all you know so like a here and and you know just like in the matrix neo quite like the the metaphor is like much more literal there because like he can literally break the rules of the matrix yeah um yeah the, the a hero can break rules mm -hmm. but if they're so but if they're breaking rules in service of a higher purpose that's good and like that's what all of our stories are telling us where a hero is front and center is like like it's admirable for a hero to break rules in the right way you know yeah for sure i mean that's the story of mushu in this movie is that yeah. like he's <laughs> like, they're kind of on the same trajectory well they're not like not following the rules mm -hmm. and they're not taken seriously for that so mushu and mulan are kind of going through this like same trajectory like not in exactly the same way but mushu isn't taken seriously by his peers yeah <laughs> do you want to uh play the ancestor clip i yeah, feel like sure. that's a it's a good time to play yeah let's listen to that i knew it i knew it that mulan troublemaker from the start. Don't look at me. She gets it from your side of the family. She's just trying to help her father. Look, if she's discovered, Bajou will be forever shamed. Dishonor will come to the family. Traditional values will disintegrate. Not to mention they'll lose the farm. My children never caused such trouble. They all became acupuncturists. Well, we can't all be acupuncturists. No. Your great-granddaughter had to be a cross-dresser. <laughs> 
Yeah. So like, I feel like the ancestors bickering there is like that anxiety of like, you have to conform. Like if you don't conform, you're going to be an outcast or, you know, or worse, you know? Um, but like Mulan's journey is to break out of that and like, you know, be a hero and break the rules in the right way, I guess. I certainly, uh, came into this movie because it was an action adventure war film like Roxy said a boys film or how you rankled against it in the <laughs> she, like I think she was questioning that verb <laughs> I, I came into it thinking it's a boys film right we got swords we got explosions we got huns right uh, all the things that a boy wants <laughs> yeah. in a movie right? huns especially uh, <laughs> and then like it's one of those movies that has like grown with me right because those like themes, whether intentional or unintentional, can't help but surface up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulan as a queer character, which you mentioned it, uh, Patrick, and that's just like one of the most central aspects of this movie, which I would love to delve into. Uh, Mulan is the first, and maybe not even the last, Disney princess to bind her chest. You know, we can't overlook that. Uh, But uh, Roxy, you're about to jump in. I just didn't want to move away from what Patrick was saying, especially with the Ancestor little clip. I find that I I just had this like whole visceral reaction to that conversation about like change and wanting to do these things and maybe non-conform and being a hero. And I feel like that idea of having to maybe break traditions or do things differently like you can only do it if you're doing role model things like that's a that's a I feel like I don't know if that's the idea that I'm getting from that necessarily like you could be who you are Mm -hmm. whatever that is and that doesn't mean you you necessarily have to be a role model for anybody or be a hero to anybody I don't think Mulan was necessarily that was her aim I think she just wanted to save her father too yeah she was serving a higher purpose or attempting to serve a higher purpose and And like there's a little hint there in that bickering of the ancestors one of them says well she's just trying to help her father yeah and like that's the yeah that's the little hint there that's like the nugget that like that's what she's like she's striving for a higher purpose and the rules are getting in the way therefore it's okay for her to break them what percentage do you think her mission her like donning her father's armor in order to like whatever protect her father Mm -hmm. what's the percentage of that being a selfless decision on behalf of her father and versus how much of it was a selfish decision Mm. you know on behalf of her own like self-realization yeah i mean because she certainly or is it one more than the other yeah i mean there's i don't think you would know how would we ever know (laughs) we don't know what mulan's thinking (laughs) i mean a lot of it and this is this is my feelings about it i'm not saying this is what mulan was thinking or the what the original story or what the intention was but Mm -hmm. a lot of it to me was like the same speech that the emperor does like literally i get so choked up because she's going through this whole experience right to want to save her father and to not dishonor them basically not necessarily like i want to save china but like i just want to survive this and not do anything stupid enough to like dishonor my family and you know all this happens and she obviously because she's an amazing person an amazing woman and she gets through and helps everybody and that 
the emperor honors her that way with that speech. Like I've heard a great deal of you, Famula, you know, and I am, I just get so emotional hearing that just because she gets acknowledged, you know, for, for the, for what she's done. Yeah. And in front of the entire city. Exactly. And then they all bow to her, which is like, wow. And then, and then especially because everybody was like, they wouldn't even listen to her. Right. I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, but I mean, it's, it's, if you're seeing it as a young child, like a, a, a little girl watching that, like how they're just disgusted by her. Yeah. And then you get this whole thing where they all bow to her. It's like, yeah. whoa. So what does that signify for you? It's, it's like inc- incredibly empowering and just like that, you know, that this person, that Mulan was just capable, you know, that empowers you that, hey, I'm capable too. I can be capable. I can Is do things too. That she's capable or that others recognize her for being capable? Well, I think that's both because, I mean, you can have this idea of like who you are and, and nobody know this about you yeah um but i think of a lot of it is community right and especially in well i'll speak to my own culture is family right and you know you play a big part in your family and and if you you know your actions affect the whole family and all that but in here she's acknowledged by her community i mean that's huge especially because all the things she was doing was very much for her family for her father in particular I certainly uh, bump when it comes to like the emperor stuff, just because of my own like politics. Like, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, oh great, the big powerful emperor like acknowledged you. You know, you're yeah. in, like the forbidden city, getting like praise from like the elite class. You know, uh-huh. like to me that doesn't like um, it doesn't like resound in me as much. Yeah, as like the acceptance of her father. Uh huh. I'll I'll agree with that for sure. (laughs) It's like my daddy issues there for sure. Like, just just pat me on the head, please. And and the part that like brings me to tears, the part that punches me in the heart, is on the one hand, the father is very cultivating, very nurturing. No, Mm -hmm. gives gives her that like metaphor of like the lotus seed, or what was it? Is a magnolia. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. Ma- you're right. Yeah. Uh, a nod to our PTA episode. A nod to your episode. Um, so, in some ways, he's nurturing, right? Uh-huh. But in another very real way, he's also representative of the patriarchy, right? And as much as he <laughs> loves her, and as much as she definitely loves him, he's a goddamn monster. <laughs> he, he upholds it, right? <laughs> and so, we the scene that's my favorite scene of the movie because uh, it hits me, it devastates me, is when they're conscripting men into the army, right? In fact, I think we have the, the We clip, have it loaded. Right. And I can kind of like, yeah. can respond to it. The Xiao family. The Yi family. I will serve the emperor in my father's place. The Fa family. No. to teach your daughter to hold her tongue in a man's presence. Mula, you dishonor me. Can you think of anything more devastating to Mulan at that moment, to her father publicly saying in front of everybody, 
you dishonor me. It's the one thing she wants to do yeah. is make her father proud. She yeah. says it in the song. She says in the song, I want my father to stand tall, right? Yeah. And uh, for those of you not familiar with the movie or haven't seen it in a while, what you miss in that clip uh, was in that stretch of silence, it's the father. He's put away his cane. Mm -hmm. He is limping over to proudly as a man would, right, receive his invitation <laughs> to, like, essentially die and sacrifice himself for, like, his country, right? right. Uh, his right. limp probably could have been from old age, probably an actual old war wound because he's, like, this, like, renowned veteran himself, the yeah. like, hero of war himself, right? It's hinted that he's already served his country. He's already gone to war. You know, and, and, and to have her him so, like, just so... Uh, I, I'm at a loss for words at this point. Well, yeah, and it's, like, um, like... Mulan being the, you know, it's, it's all about Mulan, like, uh, breaking free of like this confining gender role. Um, but the father is constrained by it too, right? He says, I know my place. Like he's going along with this because he feels that it's his duty. Yeah. Well, it's also like her holding fast to her principles. Mm -hmm. She like, she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't sulk in this feeling of him like saying you dishonor me. She springs into action and tries to figure uh, out like right. she like, works around it. Like how are we gonna do yeah, this? You yeah. know what I mean? Because like if I were in a situation, I'd be on some like petty ass bullshit. Like no, <laughs> yeah. like fuck, fuck you, like go. <laughs> but like, she disappears and the stakes are like so high. Like this is something that dawned on me watching this is that they can't stop her because she will die if like she's found out. Like mm -hmm. she will be killed if she's found out. The stakes are incredibly hard. Yeah incredibly stark and real mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because that is a very real threat for like trans folks in this day and age yeah. right we know we hear all the time of violence perpetrated not just against the queer community but also particularly against the trans community right mm -hmm. oftentimes when a trans person is found out for like having tried to pass or whatever like they are oftentimes like killed right mm -hmm. that is a very real consequence has been historically is in this movie and it is treated very real way right mm -hmm. so there's that moment where like the family can't turn her in and then there's the moment where she's found out right and uh it's a very cold a literally cold scene where they're in the snow yeah and they don't execute her but they do like leave her to die in the snow right, right. yeah right. the phobia that she faces is real at one point uh, the character uh by james hong shifu calls her a creature yeah he literally calls her a creature you know so it definitely raises the stakes of like this is the price you pay to be yourself mm -hmm. to manifest yourself mm-hmm I think it becomes more apparent. I mean, like the things we're talking about as far as like, uh, you know, the, the trans metaphors and stuff like that. Um, I was, I mean, obviously like it wasn't on like in, in the zeitgeist, like to talk about it in the way we do now, but I feel like this movie is not only like touching on it, but like, it's very much about that. Like even based on like the more popular songs in this movie, like reflect reflection and I'll make a man out of you. Like, yeah both of those songs are like touching on this theme i think that's like pretty incredible but like the mirror not showing you like who you are like like what mm. i'm looking at in the mirror is not it's like not how i like, feel yeah uh, and then like i'll make a man out of yeah. you like it's like obviously like let's talk about i'll make a man out of you this is my favorite disney song it's <laughs> yeah one of the best oh after little mermaid and one of the best montages ever i feel like it's like i wanted to like punch the wall or something. <laughs> like, it's like amazing. Knock your teeth out. <laughs> In triumph. Because like there's a whole story, like she's failing at her training. Um, Lishan 
gives her the reins to her horse and is like goodbye you know yeah. and then she like solves the the problem like yeah. she like climbs, climbs the it with the weights yeah yeah, yeah. i don't want to divulge diverge too much from the from the song so let me kind of go back to it let me reorient myself because as much as this is a sort of like subversion of what it means to be a woman a very like intentional subversion right uh -huh. yeah. there's like lines here that says like men go off to fight for a war women are meant to like birth boys yeah, yeah. there's like a line of that in right. one of the other songs mm -hmm. yeah and um, the, yeah the other song um a uh, woman to fight for yeah a girl worth fighting for yeah, right, right, so right, like right. there's all these like songs <laughs> that, that make it clear that women are meant to be brides they're meant to be mothers of sons right? yeah uh, and it's funny though because it's also like a subversion of like what it means to be a man. Yes. Yeah. Because like the story is a bit of a like the trajectory Mulan's trajectory is like she's got to become a man, right? But that like it's a bit of a red herring because like she does that she masters it she gets through the training yeah and she like has a, a little bit of a victory in that battle with the Huns but mm -hmm. she's found out and she's still like at the bottom like and she makes reference again to the, her reflection in um, the soldier's helmet and yeah. it's not until yeah. like she doesn't have her complete victory until she's her real self like she's she's her real self and she does battle against um, uh, the villain I can't remember his name uh, but the Attila the Hun and uh, defeats him as her real self she's not cross-dressing as a man she's like just her real self you know and, and fighting him and and that's when she has her victory i think there's some contradictions here i think like <laughs> there's many <laughs> i think like at one hand this kind of like subverting what it is to be a man right because like when she tries to be yeah. a man it's an over exaggeration of like how you're supposed to walk how you're supposed to talk, hold yourself, right? Yeah. Did you and notice it? Machismo, Sorry. Talks in the cheese mode, like version of what it means yeah. to be the, the scene where she spits. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> this, is, this is a throwaway. This is a throwaway, but did you notice on the movie poster that, uh, you know, it's like the sword that's like bisecting uh -huh. her face on the yeah. left side? It's She's a woman, and on the right side, she's a man. Yeah. And her jaw is shaped differently. Yeah, I'm oh, telling you. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is like all over that. But like, like I said, like when she spits that whole exchange with Eddie, like the, with Mushu about her, the name, like, what's your name? <laughs> 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 I feel like to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> but as far as like gender roles and what do you mean, like subversion of like bail, like there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about gender conforming and what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman in this movie. Mm -hmm. But as far like to bring it all around to I'll make a man out of you, that song is about the traits that make men men mm. and it's all it's all about the worst impulses like the worst things about men yeah. that make men men they're flighty they're swift as a river they're furious like the, the, like the, the typhoon yeah and, uh, and they're fucking mis the, mysterious of the dark side fire. mysterious yeah. of the dark side of the moon like <laughs> yeah. they're unknowable right like right. that song is like it's like poking all these holes is like oh what it means to be a man is just to be like unknowable flighty and fucking mad all the time mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that song is like poking fun at like oh yeah you're not these things so you can never be right. a man because you're not these things right that are all like these like really not like great traits you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> and and no, none of the men can climb that pole right yeah. with sheer strength and discipline it's mm -hmm. uh she solves it by um, like wrapping the weights around each other and you know she, she outsmarts the problem yeah. is, is basically yeah. how she does it really, you know it's, but none of the like all of the guys that are stronger than her that, that are just using it just strength and discipline is 
those two two weights as was what they symbolize is um, they can't do it. Yeah, I think uh, you guys all said that like she is almost like defined by her defiance, mm-hmm. by her like breaking the rules, and it really is her like defiance that continually wins the day. And it's like a constant character trait of hers from the very beginning. From the very beginning where like she doesn't wake up in time to like mm. feed the chickens and be to her, <laughs> at her appointment. But she has like little brother feed the chickens instead. Yeah. She's like innovative. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's setting yeah, the, the story is setting the table of her ingenuity there. Her, yeah, her defiance yeah. by like putting on her father's armor uh, uh, against the law, like the literal law. Uh, the defiance of like her shooting at the mountain instead of shooting at Shan Yu, uh, which ends up like defeating the Huns, right? Her defiance of like not going home, but trying to rescue the emperor when she finds out that the Huns have risen from their snowy graves, right? Like she is continually defined, or her victories are continually defined by her like defiance. Her badassness. Right? So it's like there's just <laughs> so many layers because a lot of it is her like identity, her as a queer character, right? Uh-huh. Because like for a decade or more, and arguably for even longer, she has been the most mainstream, most visible queer trans hero for a generation of like 90s Disney kids, right? Yeah. To put it like narrowly. And it's probably been more broad than that. Even, you know, folks who like uh, look at it from a queer lens with like a sort of like disappointment or feel like it fell short, I think they can't help but like see that this was like a queer trans queer uh, hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's definitely identity issues, but like one of the prevailing identity issues beyond whether is she a tomboy, is she trans? Is she butch lesbian? Is she just a straight cis badass? You know, like beyond all that, she is defined by like, she doesn't hold by the rules. And for sure, whatever society, whatever mercy society is put up to her, she doesn't, she can't see herself there. Yeah. She doesn't identify with it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's about talk about some of our favorite, favorite scenes. Scenes. <laughs> scenes. You got one Caesar? Um, yeah, um, Mushu waking up the great dragon, <laughs> 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 or pretty much anything involving Mushu, Mushu. anything involving Mushu, <laughs> are like all my favorites. Uh, that gotta- one, dishonor. Oh yeah, <laughs> dishonor on you, cow. dishonor on your cow, which I quote <laughs> quite often. There's a there's an interesting scene I want to talk about with you guys. Was it the cocking by scene? Yeah, the, the ugly concubines. Um, <laughs> Want me to play it? Let's play that. Let's play it. Who's there? Concubines. Ugly concubines. <laughs> there was there was an so article. Why you want to talk about this. All right, I'm here's really why. nervous about why you want to talk about this. <laughs> All right, so there's a uh, article that Juan shared with us in in the preparation of this podcast uh, called "The Ground Bre- uh, Groundbreaking Queerness of Mulan" by Jess Tom. It's a, a trans Asian American person um, who really loved Mulan as as um, a you know representation of a gender nonconforming person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a comment about this scene that it was trans misogynistic, and. When I watched this movie, I loved that scene as the as support for the um, like kind of deconstruction of that narrative that like you uh, like you got to be a man, you got to be masculine to save the day, right? That it yeah it, it totally I see takes that. it takes that away. Um, I wanted to know what you guys thought about why that might be considered trans misogynistic. 
and I had a couple of ideas. Um, one was that it was kind of portrayed for a laugh. Like it was like um, shown like to get a laugh, like clearly, like, like, I don't know what you guys think about that. Go ahead, Owen. I just feel very ill-equipped to have this conversation. Because I, don't, <laughs> I wasn't expecting the uh, question, so I didn't get a chance to prep for it. I, I, I don't well, belong to the LGBTQ community. You know? Yeah, I mean, but it, I mean, you could. I mean, I don't know. It's this like, because this, like, what, this happens in the in the palace, right? Yeah, it happens it's in the, the palace. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, um, the, the soldiers dress up like women, climb up the, the pillars and then get past the guards because they're dressed up like women. Well, it's cause they're not passing and that's what they're laughing at is that the, the, their, well, their, their words are as that they're ugly. Right. Yeah. So obviously they're very masculine looking, which I would see as, you know, yeah. I, I, as like or something there, I think. that could be offensive, right? Is Correct. that it, it's, yeah. But yeah. I also see um, that they defeated the Huns and femware, like yeah, which, yeah, right, you right. Know. There's that, and then there's Contrad- the- it's so everything we're talking it just feels like it's all contradicting. Right. So. It was like, <laughs> and, and what still blows my mind is like this was 1998, and like we're this is the the fact that this conversation is happening in 2022. Like, yeah, it's still around this movie is is so crazy. Yeah, one thing's for sure that this is a rich text. Yeah, yeah. but as far as about like that whole sequence, yeah. I, I mean, it's a I think it's about just like the visibility of like certain people like when Mulan enters the forbidden city nobody's listening to her mm-hmm. and there's a line and this kind of struck me pretty hard this time where uh somebody says like they're not listening to you you're a woman again mm-hmm. yeah and i was like oh shit mm-hmm. and so like when they when they dress up as like women to like sneak into the palace it's because they're not going to be paid attention to yeah, or seen exactly. you know what i mean so it's about like invisibility of like marginalized groups and like that's what i understood for because like well and, uh, that's interesting we were yeah. we were watching it this time and like i guess like might have looked away or something and i was like why are they dressed as women and rocks is like oh because like to sneak in because <laughs> 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 they wouldn't be seen as like soldiers and, yeah. and like or just, a threat in like, any yeah, way. As like, a threat, yeah. Like that, like, I was like, oh shit. Like, like it was, a, yes, it was like that I missed that scene. But the, the fact that she explained it to me in like, in those terms, I was like, oh, there's like a lot at play here as yeah. far as like visibility and like belonging to certain groups and the way you're seen, you know? That's an angle I did not consider. That That's really interesting. Yeah. But I mean, like, like just going back to the fact that they use that scene to kind of reinforce that whole thing of like, it's not, you're not, it's not to become a man to become masculine is how you're going to save the day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like the fact that make a man out of you starts playing again, like right at the moment, you when know? they're, when they're cross, when they're cross dressing, it it's make a man out of you. And my only opinion is that's very cute when they're like, uh, climbing up the, the, the pole, the mm-hmm. same sort of way that she did with the, yeah, you know, with the, the weights, scarf, yeah. but they're using their, their womanly scarves yeah. as well. And, and you know, as, as excited as I was to do like this episode, I've always, I was obviously like nervous as well because I'm not queer, I'm not Asian or Asian American. So I did do some research. So shout out to the article you just mentioned, uh, Patrick, by uh, Jess Tom. I also read an article by Jess Kung and uh, Zing Shang that really like helped me to like formulate like an analysis of the movie and, and mm-hmm. these articles weren't always like favorable to the movie they weren't always like this was a great representation right yeah. but it certainly did look at it as like a queer representation whether flawed or not yeah 
<laughs> I was say like, shout out to Disney for that, but Disney isn't doing anything. Shout out to Refine. Yeah, they're doing, they're <laughs> doing fine. <laughs> what I do appreciate about Disney is that like they throw their money at quality. Like they, like that's what the benefit of being like this super large corporation who has a ton of money is that you can throw money and make quality things and like mm-hmm. they always come back with quality. And you're talking about like a second Disney Renaissance right now. And I think they're the the thing that they're revolutioning revolutionizing right now is like not like character archetypes and stuff like that but the way in which they tell stories and we were watching frozen together wow you and me juan and at the end of the movie you're all like the the message of this movie is that men are trash (laughs) which is like really interesting that like a lot of their movies are becoming like not about like that that romantic relationship because I think that kind of happens at the end of the Mulan, right? I made a comment before we started recording about like it kind of doesn't matter what the intentions of the movie were. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I don't know what the creators were going for, what the directors were going for, what sort of message they're trying to put out there, whether they're intentionally trying to make her a queer character or not, right? Yeah. But like it's out there in the world. We have interacted with it and we've interacted with it in the context of the world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. So she kind of is queer, you know? Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and the love interest, uh, Shang, is like... Um, is like maybe maybe by by curious right yeah, like yeah. It, it's become when, when she knocks it, when, when, when ping when she's ping and she knocks him down the way he looks up at her <laughs> holy shit <laughs> them, them some bedroom eyes <laughs> <laughs> she was feeling the fireworks <laughs> absolutely she yeah. was feeling the fireworks in the oh, back yeah. then before there was actual fireworks in the we movie. could talk about bisexual inclusion like in this movie too <laughs> yeah he can break that wide open. <laughs> Roxy, like, what are your favorite scenes? You mentioned the scene with the emperor. I don't know if you have like any other standouts. Um, I think we we talked about how much I really like when she comes back and you know gives the gifts to honor their her family to her dad, and he says, uh, "The best gift is having you as a for a daughter." Mm-hmm. Like that's you know. I got a plus one that. Yeah, that's just like the best. And... And oh, and all the things their grandma says are just hilarious. Can you oh, stay yeah. forever? You know when oh. he shows up. Yeah, the the sign me up for the next war. You know, for the next war. Horny grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love horny grandmothers. His <laughs> favorite people on earth. <laughs> yeah. The uh, so the grandmother she like covers her eyes and walks across the street in the beginning, right, to prove that this is a lucky cricket. Does that ever get paid off? Like th- that he's a lucky cricket. Yeah. Yeah, I think like crickets are actually lucky it's explicitly mentioned like for a fact yeah, yeah in the culture <laughs> in the chinese culture I, I think it's paid off in the fact that he admits that he's not lucky yeah oh yeah like they're yeah. all faking they're yes. all like faking it till they're making it right, and like right. the cricket ad- admits like i'm not lucky that's at that low point right where <laughs> mulan is discovered is. as a woman um mushu like kind of commiserates that he's not like yeah. as it's grand the man as he made himself out to be. It's the yeah. guardian who isn't a guardian. It's the, the lucky that isn't lucky. That isn't lucky. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do think that's like the emotional high point of the movie, actually. Mm. What, is when you find out the cricket's not lucky? Yeah, when you find out the cricket isn't lucky. When Mulan is out in the snow looking at her reflection of the helmet, like wondering, why did I do this? Was it worth it? 
Yeah. Do we have that clip? We do. Reflection 2. Oh, Reflection 2. Let's listen to it. Maybe what I really wanted was to prove I could do things right. So when I looked in the mirror, I'd see someone worthwhile. Yeah, it's it's great because like she made this attempt, right, to pass as a man, mm-hmm. and, and, or I don't, you know, it's yeah, like it, pass as herself, pa- yeah, as themselves, right? right? right like right. we don't really know right. who herself is or themselves is, but we know it isn't what society has put up for her, mm-hmm. right? For, yeah, uh, but it still wasn't like complete. Like she didn't have her full victory yet. This movie fully realizes the potential of songs to provide subtext to the themes, right? And we see it in uh, Make a Man Out of You, right? But we certainly see it in, like, the song that defines the movie, which is Reflection. It's literally called Reflection, right? Um, And this was a good bookend to that moment, Mm -hmm. right? Where she is... (laughs) There's, like, a line. It might be the clip that you... I think it is, yeah. Which one? One. Reflection one. Oh. Yeah, so great song. Yeah. Uh, the line that, that I wrote down was, I will look at me, I will never pass for a perfect bride or a perfect daughter. Can it be I'm not meant to play this part? Now I see that if I were truly to be myself, I would break my family's heart. Mm. There's stakes. There are clear stakes. This isn't a family that's just going to accept her for who she is, right? Mm-hmm. We see that when the dad says, you dishonor me, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in her anxiety to make her father proud. When she's trying to be a perfect bride, it's not because she's trying to land herself a man and give birth to boys, right? When mm-hmm. she's trying to be the perfect bride, it's so that she could uh, help her father stand tall. Which, of course, is a fun metaphor, given that he limps, right? <laughs> uh, so, so that's how, I think that's how the, the cricket being lucky pays off. It's just another imposter pretending to be something he's not, but ends yeah. up being something more. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do, like, my, like, ra- lightning crick round of, like, greatest hits for me in this movie? If you want to. I wanted to, this is not an interesting conversation. I was just, like... <laughs> I just like wonder why Creaky's in this movie. <laughs> Creaky. A cricket? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like as a character, why is he in this movie? <laughs> um, because he rules. Next, next question. Next question. <laughs> why is Creaky in this like, movie? Why, 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 why is that? He- like, why does the psychic have a psychic? I was like wondering as I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you like sidekicks. Yeah. I don't know. Like it was like this was something that like was on my mind as we were watching it. It's like this is really interesting. Like he's really cute and he's not lucky, but like why is he in this why movie? Why is he here? <laughs> like what is he adding to oh, this movie? Was, he adds a lot. <laughs> I was watching this uh, movie with my girlfriend to prepare for this episode, mm-hmm. and she was tripping out on the scene where he's like essentially like writing out the message. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, like a typewriter. <laughs> yeah, he's like a character yeah. who interact with nobody except Mushu. Yeah, but the only one who can actually like write and interact with like. China at large. And when he writes, he's like, uh, if you can meet us at the pass, I would really appreciate that. We're in a war, man. Like- <laughs> Love that. 
<laughs> it really gets Eddie Murphy's dialogue. It really gets the essence. <laughs> I feel strangely satisfied when he's typing that out with his feet. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's doing like uh, yeah. this like cricket crip walk to like type out Japanese, <laughs> like Chinese lettering. It's like it's freaking noise. great. Well, that's why he was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense in that context for sure. All right, Juan. Greatest well, hits. No, kind of going back to... Uh, <laughs> oh, you want to talk about Creaky? <laughs> well, Eddie Murphy is a delight. Oh. You know, mm. he, he is a force. In this yeah, movie. yeah. This is two years after The Nutty Professor, and let me tell you, I was fucking into The and Nutty I Professor. Think, <laughs> oh, wow. the same year as one of the sequels. <laughs> was it? I think so. When I looked up, I looked up other movies in 1998, I yeah. thought I saw... Nutty Professor come up, or one of the Eddie Murphy com- comedic vehicles, right? Yeah, let me tell you, Nutty Professor was my gem. Nine-year-old fat kid, Nutty Professor was it for me. <laughs> it's so sad, dude. Something that I don't know how impactful it is in the larger scheme of things, but I certainly appreciate, is that it's a largely Asian-American cast. Uh-huh. You know? Uh... I don't know how much that matters. Does it matter to you guys? I thought it was cool. George Takei is yeah. uh, is in it. Pat Morita is the emperor. B.D. Wong. Um, B.D. Wong. Yeah, B.D. Yeah. Wong. Oh, of course, James Hong, who yeah. has like yes. so many credits as a vo- as an actor and as a voice actor. Yeah. Like part of my childhood, essentially. Yeah. The um, villain was uh, not Asian American. No. Yeah. Miguel Ferrer. He uh, was also the villain in Blank Check. You remember that movie? I do remember that. I, I wrote down Miguel Ferrer in my notes as well because again, not Asian American. <laughs> it's in your uh, not Asian, your not Asian section in your notes. Conspicuous Donny Osmond did a bad, <laughs> did a bad job. Yeah, great uh, job. Donny Osmond saying, "I'll make a man out of you." I saw the behind the scenes. It's like, dang. Oh, Chris, that like Christina Aguilera did the second version of Oh Reflection. My, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, she had she had like a radio version of that. Mm-hmm. It's in the it's in the credits. Mm. Is it, oh, it's oh yeah, it's a, okay, cool. It's in the soundtrack yeah. too. And uh, ninety eight degrees did True to Your Heart. <laughs> ninety eight yeah, degrees. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Trivia. Ninety eight degrees. And Stevie Sucks. Wonder. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and Stevie Wonder do the closing credits song, True to Your Heart. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. So a lot of this is like I don't think I know timeless and ahead of its time. That song, not so much. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was placed appropriately in 1998. It, it stays, yeah, it stays yeah. there. In Amber in 1998. <laughs> it's the most 1998 song. Mm-hmm. Aside from... I have another question for you guys. Yeah? So, uh, yes. you know, the, the Be A Man song, right? Yeah. Great, great montage. Be awesome. a man? I'll make a man out of you? I'll make a man out of you. Yeah. I may have had a couple of IPAs, guys. <laughs> uh, great montage, great storytelling, great visual storytelling. Um, how does that, you know, training boot camp montage compare in your minds with, like, other famous boot camp sequences in like movies and I mean movies what other history. what other iconic montages the most are famous there Rocky? One being the most famous montage of or like sequence of like military boot camps being like full metal jacket okay oh um yeah but did, was that so. like an inspiring montage <laughs> well, i feel like mulan was such an inspiring montage it's got to be up up there near the top of montages in movie history but i feel like rocky, rocky has got yeah inspiring yeah. right full metal jacket i don't think is inspiring. Not what year did gi jane come out good question i feel um, like it was mid, mid 90s i feel like it was 96 yeah so around, it was before this there? let me see gi jane gi jane is that a good montage I don't well, know. It's also like a woman having <laughs> yeah. to prove themselves. It's 97, 97 a year before. Oh, yeah. Shit. 
This is a uh, prescient. Um, Got to be a connection. Reference, uh, because um, Juan was on the Men in Black episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to talk about Bruno. G.I. <laughs> Jane was 1997. Um, I was looking at popular songs from 98. <laughs> the Boy Is Mine. From Brandy yeah, and Monica. Yeah, Brandy and Monica. And uh, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing because Armageddon also came out in this year. Yes, it did. Yeah. This montage is fucking fantastic. The I'll Make a Man Out of You montage. Um, I love where she's like fumbling with her weapon. I'm like, yeah. In, like inadvertently kicking everyone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so when the bucket like covers her eyes and she starts deflecting the rocks, if I saw some Luke Skywalker there. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, like uh, such a, such an arc in that montage. Like, she's yeah, I mean, just the, train. just the songwriting in general, I think is like fucking fantastic. This yeah. is like, so I want to drop BDP's name. I don't know if he listens to the show, but he had like this whole bracket. Hi, BDP. He had this whole rack bracket of Disney songs, like a tournament of Disney songs. Yeah, like and a March Madness type. Yeah. One-on-one yeah. bracket. Let like me tell you, when this didn't win, I was fucking pissed. <laughs> Did it at least get to the final four? Did it land and win? Was it... Was it a whole new world or something? Yeah. I don't remember. I How far did it was, this out was of you? the last? It, made it was the last, last two. Okay. okay, that that makes sense. So this made it the last yeah. round. That yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, but the fact that it didn't win is clearly an upset. I need yes. to mention that BDP, hi BDP, was like blindsided by the popularity of I'll Make a Man Out of You. Like really? he what? Realize, he didn't realize how much people love this song. It's like clearly fantastic. Like <laughs> it's this, so good. this in part of your world is like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you've been spending so much time with me, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, it's infectious. <laughs> you know, they say you become an average of the five people you hang out with the most. So well, you should be, you most should be of it. half rocks <laughs> by this point. <laughs> Sitting at this table is most of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, wine. Uh, you said greatest hits. Lightning round of greatest hits. Lightning round, greatest hits. Um, the villains very cartoony, one dimensional. Don't really add much to like the plot or the themes. Yeah. But I loved how they were just demonstrated as like a real threat. Yeah. And how they were like really smart. Yeah. There's like that line. Can I say something about him? Yeah. I find it a little problematic because he's sort of swarthy. Yeah, he's, he is <laughs> a problematic villain as well. On top of everything else, he's swarthy and he has animal traits. <laughs> like, like they kind of like dehumanize him, but he does have darker skin than anybody else in the movie. Like, all right, he's almost all right. gray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And his but eyes are were, yellow they for were some bad reason. Bad. Yeah, and they were scary. <laughs> And there's that scene where, like, he gives, like, the doll around to all his, like, lieutenants, right? Yeah. And they would, like, pick up different, like, clues from the doll. They're, like, black pine from the high mountains. Mm -hmm. White horse hair. That means imperial stallions, right? Yeah. These are, are, like, his lieutenants being, like, this smart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was a cool scene. And they all rise from the snow. Yeah. That's a good scene, too, after the avalanche. In the credits, they're called the elite huns. (laughs) But, uh, no, I have to say how much I love that battle on the mountain that's what drew me to this movie as a kid and as an adult i still love the hell of that sequence the fucking like orange fire contrasted with the black smoke contrasted with like the white uh snow yeah um you know like the sequence of events where like there's just like quiet 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 fireworks in the distance 
boom. Did they hear us? Did they catch us? No, they didn't. And then all of a sudden, an arrow goes into, like, Shan's, like, shoulder. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is very, like, and from there, go, go, go. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I love that sequence so much. I <laughs> um, just want to say, too, that I mentioned this a couple times. This movie does a great job of doing, like, visual storytelling, right? Where, like, it's not on the music. It's not on what's said. It's, like, in the quiet moments, like, when they're having dinner and nobody's saying anything for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. It lasts for maybe, like, 1.5 seconds, but, just, like, just and enough to, like, bring the, the tension up, yeah. right? There's another one, too, where, like, she's already outside, and looking in on her family, like, having an argument. Her, her, her mom and dad are having, like, a silent argument that we don't hear through, like, the window, right? So that's a great moment. We know what they're arguing about, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, another moment, and I'll try not to dwell on this too much, is uh, the father picking up the sword, his sword, on the eve of going to join the army, right? Trying to relive his, like, glory days, right? And then we see him falter, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, his his old age, his wounds do get the better of him. And we see it in shadow. We don't see it. We don't see him. Mm-hmm. We see his shadow. And I just felt like that captures so much, especially considering, like, the, the mirror motif. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's always seen herself in a reflection. Mm. We see the father... In shadow, of course, she lives under her father's shadow, always trying to live up to him and, like, do right by him. Of course, the love interest, uh, Captain uh, Shang, lives under the shadow of his father, General Lee, right? right? right. Who um, he's trying to live up to and, like, prove himself worthy of, right? And Mm. I think it's no accident that these two end up linked as friends or lovers or whatever. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, yeah he as a character is, you know, constrained by this expectation, right? That he's got to conform to this role, right? Last thing in my lightning round, I love the sword. The father's sword <laughs> that, becomes, that becomes Mulan's sword. Yeah. It's so cool. It's got like that, that, that dragon face on it or that, like, tiger dragon face on it. Um, <laughs> I fucking thought it was so badass. I, I thought it was badass when I was 10. I think it's badass. Let's do final thoughts. Roxy, final thoughts on Mulan. Honestly, the whole time we've been talking, the line that I've had in my head is when they're singing the song and he's, and the, what's the general's assistant man's name? The, with the oh, mustache? Yeah, with the, the catfish Jason. mustache. Yeah, Shifu. Yeah. <laughs> and they said the only woman who'd love him is his mother. <laughs> so that's, that's my, only a mother could yeah, love Yeah, so that's my final note. <laughs> he was not a good person. Remember, he called no. Mulan the creature. Oh, yeah. He's oh, not. He's, he's the fucking he's worst, the worst, dude. He's the worst. Yeah, I'm glad that he loses his job in the end. Hope that's not bitter. Final thought uh, for me, like how much of this the sword stuff was just phallic imagery, like, uh, <laughs> like her like, pulling out her pulling out a sword. It's like, oh yeah, they're very manly yeah. and tough. She's Juan is out a known sword. to love a good fellas. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. Fellases are cool. Juan, final thought. Instead of a final thought, can I have a final question? You can have whatever you want. Can I have two final questions? You can have as many as you like. <laughs> um, question. Did Mushu kill the Great Stone Dragon? Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. On purpose? No, just like, uh, just did it happen? That was never... Yeah. Is that the demise of the Great Stone yeah, Dragon? Yeah, they just like... Yeah, other, yeah, because like, <laughs> you know, otherwise they would have been able to summon it somehow. Like, I think he's gone forever. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's replaced essentially in the end. Well, I, I have a, um, a final question of my own. Did, did Mushu get a redemption? Did like did I miss that? Yeah. Did, did Mushu get promoted back into guardianship? Or? Yeah, he does. At yeah. The end. Yeah. Does? Okay, okay. He gets his place. You it. can yeah. be a guardian again. Yeah. 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 Okay. They reluctantly promoted yeah. him back yeah. to guardian. He gets that, which is great. Okay. I'm telling you, it's my favorite character. I wasn't even paying attention to what was happening in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Mushu's journey. My other favorite question. This might have already been answered, but favorite song of the movie. Oh, that's hard. I mean, I thought, it has to be I'll thought, Make a Mad Yeah, you. I thought it was unanimous. Yeah. yeah. It's like a KO. Okay. Isn't it? Is, is it unanimous? Damn. Is it everybody? For, oh, yeah. I too. think it's unanimous. Oh, I did want to say, the only note my sister, well, she gave me two notes, but oh, one yeah. of them was that there aren't any more songs after your favorite part, which is the battle. There's only about four songs yeah. in the movie, I want yeah. to say. Yeah, I was listening to the soundtrack on the way over here. There's really only like four or five songs. And I wonder what like the into. average is for like, I guess because there's yeah. not. I guess like if you look at a Disney movie, I don't know what the average is. I actually. feel like it's probably about four or five, right? Like it could be. Yeah, it just seems like when in retrospect a little bit like not that many, but you might be right. That might be like on average. Yeah, it seems. I mean, because if you think of the songs like a Little Mermaid, which seems like it has a lot, there's probably can't be more than like what five or six. It just seems like that. That seems like about average for this. Mm. Nothing but respect for the songs of Mulan. Mine's a tie between uh, Reflection, which again is like the epitome of this movie, mm-hmm. and Honor to Us All, which is the movie. Those are your two song favorite songs? Of the movie, yeah. Wow. I'll make um, a man out of you. Couldn't even get tied for first? No love? <laughs> Doesn't get tied for, for first, no. <laughs> great sequence. She climbs a pole. It's great. What's the, what's the matchmaker song? Yeah, that's it. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah, part yeah. of it. It's oh. like the matchmaker song is like, is honored to us all okay. and it's like part of it's a matchmaker singing part of it it's like the would-be brides yeah. singing. you know it's the scene scene where she says like uh ancestors hear my plea okay keep my father standing tall it's also the one where they say we must all serve our emperor a man by bearing arms a girl by bearing sons mm. wonderful i uh i thought that we could end this episode by doing a sing-along no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Sing but, along. But true to your heart. Um, uh, 98 degrees. I, uh, I emailed uh, UCs and I emailed you, Patrick, uh, lines for the song that we can sing along, just in case you want to. <laughs> Maybe after you hit record. Hold on a second. I don't have, uh, let me get my email out. I thought you were going to bring serious? out a harmonica and I'm, like. I'm being totally serious because if we don't like it, we can always like just cut it out. But again, we could do it after we hit press record. Maybe it could be bonus content. No, for, we like, could just like have a couple beers after this and sing together. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, like we, we have a whole friend art we can sing in our hair. Holy shit! Look at all this effort. <laughs> He actually gave us different oh parts. Aw, we get we solos. Oh, what the... Let me see this. This is fucking cute. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I love this. Yeah, We're so, not going to do it, but this is really cute. So just so the audience knows, <laughs> I had ambitions that we would do, like, a Disney karaoke or a cappella of uh, the last song in the movie, A Girl We're Fighting For. <laughs> Because what is it? I'll do Caesar's part. We all have people that we're fighting for, right? <laughs> maybe literally, maybe figuratively, but just like every day is a struggle. All right. You know, go, we're, go, we're go, Juan, go, go. I don't have the lyrics. I <laughs> That's Patrick's phone that you phone. have. I'll pass it to you, Patrick. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right, how does it go? For a long time, we've been marching off the battle. In our thundering herd, we feel a lot like cattle. <laughs> um, 
Like the pounding beat, our arching feet aren't easy to ignore. Oh, hey, think of instead a girl worth fighting for. Huh? <laughs> That's what she said. A girl worth fighting for. I want her paler than the moon. Just fade out. Stars. <laughs> My girl will marvel at my strength, adore my battle scars. <laughs> I couldn't care less what she'll wear or what she looks like. It all depends on what she cooks like. Beef, pork, chicken. Mm. And this next part, we're also supposed to sing in genesis. So I don't know if people can kind of what do that. Which part is it? Bet the local girls that you were quite, quite a charmer. And I'll, I'll bet the ladies love a man in armor. You can guess what we have missed the most since we went off to the war. What do we want? A girl worth fighting for. What do we want? A girl worth fighting for. my solo? Wish that I had. A girl worth fighting for. That was awful. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Loved it. I would be remiss to say that if Juan, wasn't a, if Juan didn't flake on us last week, <laughs> that we would have recorded this on trans visibility today. And I just want to uh, put some light on that and mention that. Uh, I like to think of us all as allies. And I would not talk to you guys if you weren't. So sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Shout out to all the trans homies. And uh, we love you. Thanks for listening to Film Slob. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 And that was our talk about Mulan. Thanks for listening, guys. It was nice to have Roxy and Juan back on the show. Love talking to those two. It's even better when we have them together. We might have Roxy on more regularly. At least I'm trying to convince her of that. Send her support. You can follow us at Film Slobber on Instagram. That's F-I-L-M-S-L-O-B-B-E-R-Y. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Subscribe on there, rate us, leave reviews. Tell us you love us. Next week, we might be talking about Spring Breakers or Kevin Smith. One of those things. We want to do it next week. We're trying to do this more regularly. It's hard to keep a schedule. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.